Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse. And we are the Dad Fathers, and we're crowing at you with some more Lucky Jack energy. Yay! Lucky crow. Jack Aubrey. Crow. <laughs> <laughs> That's, we're just crowing. Crow. Man, we're not coming at you this time. Because we're Russell Crowing today, tonight, <laughs> for, for weeks. Russell Crow. For weeks. And actually, for the final time for this, this our mini-series of Chronological Crow, um, we have been tracing the Russell Crow actor character through the ages, and now we've arrived at the, the Napoleonic Wars in the early 1800s, um, because we're doing Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, the 2003 film from Peter Weir. Um, I think we all have some pretty deep nostalgia with this one, but Mike, mm. I remember in conversations about even starting this show, this was one that you were like, yeah, we got to do Master and Commander. Yeah. You know, it is, it was a real, uh, really big movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to get into that. Yeah. Are you going to unburden some stuff that we haven't? There's like, definitely things you? that I'm not going to say about it. Oh. That I've told you about. Oh. Well, now I have to try and remember what those are, so I can ring them up. Um, <laughs> and wait, you don't remember? That's probably good. It's probably good. <laughs> uh, but we're doing this movie, as we said, because we're doing the Chronological Crow series, and this is where we are going to leave Mr. Russell Crow for a little while. Um, stuck here in the early 1800s. And uh, someday we'll revisit and we'll pick up again. Um, I don't know what comes after this. It's I don't want to spoil it. Robin Hood? Curious. Yeah. No, that... Yeah. No, it's because Robin Hood... You guys are doing that next week, but it's going to come before this episode. You're right. Yeah. Because yeah. chronological Robin Hood was earlier than. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's quite a big time jump. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it seems like each time he's like he's reincarnating. You know, we've got yeah. Russell Crowe reincarnating every time it's earlier and or sooner and sooner. after. The we could have called this like Russell through the ages. <laughs> Russell reincarnated. Oh, that was Russell <laughs> reincarnated. <laughs> so. It seems like, you know, he, in Noah, he got pretty good at at sailing a boat and wasn't so great at the family life thing. He really struggled with that. And Gladiator, he finally got the, the family life thing down. And he but not was a boat in sight, you know? But he was learning how to lead people. <laughs> right. You right. know, and Robin Hood, he's got his band of merry men, obviously. Right. And obviously. now here, he's combining it all together. Everything he's learned throughout thousands of years to, like, command this one ship pretty epic except for except for the family thing like he's kind of like let that uh he got tired of that yeah he he's decided that you know what it's better to hang with the bros (laughs) (laughs) they all got killed in gladiators so he's yeah you know sad and and he tried to kill them and noah so that's right yeah he's got some really weird family dynamics going on is this like midlife crisis russell crowe He's left his family to go with the bros and sail the seas. Hang with his doctor buddy and play music and get drunk. (laughs) That sounds like a midlife crisis. This is Russell Crowe's idea of a good time. Yeah, the best time you can have. Everybody's idea of a good time, to be honest. I I get really motion sick. This would be terrible for me. I I disagree wholeheartedly. We can get to that later. This is not a good time. Okay, Okay. but it's because we're talking about Master and Commander from 2003, directed by Uh, Peter uh, Weir. uh, 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 Master and Commander, the far side of the world, the close side of the globe. Yes, (laughs) not to be confused with any of the other Master and Commander movies. Yeah. (laughs) Savage Gotta burn. be careful. Savage <laughs> <burn>. <laughs> um, so directed by Peter Weir. We've talked about him before, actually, in uh, in Jesse's first birthday episode. Listen back to that. 
Uh, Jesse, which movie was that? That was for Gallipoli. Uh, with I think that was uh, Mel Gibson Mel. was in that. Who else was in that? I he's don't think anyone else. Yeah. He's the only big one. Yeah. Yeah, but that, was, that was a fun conversation. Yeah, there was another guy. I can't remember what that guy's name is. I feel like he's been in other things, maybe just in Australia. But anyway, yeah, Mel Gibson's Gallipoli, that World War One Australian epic, I guess. About running? running? Yeah, a lot of running, a lot of going through desert. Yeah, very sad. And uh, a lot of springs, steel springs. It really, like, and even remembering Gallipoli, like, super bums me out. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't really watch that one a whole lot because it, it's such a bummer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anyway, also, so here we are with Master Commander, very different movie. Yeah, um, he's also done the Dead Poet Society, which we will definitely do, uh, mm-hmm. along with Witness, which when we do our our Harrison Ford series, we're gonna that's we're gonna do Witness. Witness. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, and then we also have here the Way Back, the the other is that World War Two about the exiled convicts. Colin Farrell's in that one. A lot of people are in that one. Yeah. Um, uh, written by John Colley, Peter Weir, Patrick O'Brien. Patrick O'Brien, novel, based on his novel, he, right? He's the writer of the novels. Was There's he a bunch dead of at the them. time that this came out? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they were still coming out at the time. Okay. Let's double check this before. All right. So we have, we've put in a, a quick call to, to some secretaries. There's a lot of typing. Those typewriters, they are a clanging. I don't know why we're using typewriters to search on the internet. He, I will look into that. He was, he, he died in January 2nd, 2000. So yeah, uh, that was oh, very wow. recently passed. What a shame. Yeah. That was like three years before this came out. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, so his novels, they were, I think they came out in like the late sixties all the way up till 2000. Um, he never finished the, I think it's the 20th one, the final wow. one. There are scraps of it left that have been released as, as a full novel. Um, but it, apparently it doesn't really hold together very well until the parts of the story that kind of peters out. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, that was supposed to be the final book. Well, thank you for describing George R. R. Martin's final Game of Thrones book. But what about Patrick O'Brien's? <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, I recently read the first one. I, I got it for my wife just found it for Christmas. Like, here you go. You should probably read this. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to like it. And I ended up loving it. Uh, it's, it's so great. It's called the it's. This is By the Game way, of Thrones, right? Oh, yes, of course it's Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> um, now, th- by the way, the, the series is not called the Master and Commander series. It's called the Aubrey Maturin series uh, for mm. Jack Aubrey and Stephen Maturin, the, the, the surgeon. It's about primarily like their friendship. In, in the first book, they, the, it opens up with them like first meeting and the surgeon just hating him because <laughs> he's off tune. Uh, when they're at a concert together and Aubrey's just like a real buffoon. Anyway, it's a good time and it goes really heavy into sailing and what it's like to live on these ships. This, this, what you just described is like a 20 book bromance. <laughs> is that yeah. what this yes. is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. There's lots of swashbuckling. There's lots of, uh, I don't know. Daring traveling. do. Yeah. Lots of daring do. Very good. Uh, Royal Navy. What, what? Are, are, are these um are these like adult historical novels or are these like can can yeah. kids read them like oh okay. they're adult they uh, are I read them when I was thirteen um and they were not for thirteen year olds mm. yeah in the first book Jack Aubrey I, I he sleeps with somebody somebody else's wife and then he gets I think he gets crabs 
Oh! I never knew what was going on. That's a while. It's supposed to be really funny. Uh, but yeah, he's just, he's kind of a buffoon and he's like, he's sleeping with the, I think it's the Admiral's wife and like, oh, he's trying to, yeah, yeah, crazy things like that are happening. I, maybe, I don't, I'm not sure if that's really for 13 year olds, but yeah, it's also got a, I think it's got some, a fair bit of language in there, unlike this movie, uh, like just about every word. It's sailors, right? They, they swear a lot. Um, so yeah. They swear uh, like sailors. Sailors. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Where, where's my Netflix show based on the the Jack and Paul Bettany? Um, I forgot. What was his name? What's the surgeon's name? Well, uh, Stephen uh, Maturin. Okay, the Aubrey Maturin. I want the Netflix Aubrey Maturin. So while, while I was like looking up stuff about this movie, um, I found in 2021 they were talking about rebooting the old series. I do remember this. Yeah. So it was it was made and like given like a specific name, like Master and Commander, the far side of the world. Right. Because they were like going to make a whole series, it's gonna be a franchise. It was going to be a mm-hmm. franchise, but then it didn't really pan out. Because uh, you know what else happened in two thousand three? What else, Vito? There was another sailing movie involving another Captain Jack who was very lucky, <laughs> and it also had a band of ragtag misfits. Who made that one? <laughs> that was that was Gore Verbinski and Disney and Disney and Disney Disney yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of Black Pearl. Um, I think open before this movie, but and you know, it really you took know, the wind out of its sails. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Miramax does this one though, doesn't it? And that's also yes. Disney. It's, it's a brand. It's a brand of Disney. Um, they were, I think required, but that was Miramax was always run by the Weinsteins, which is why this movie had such a big Oscar push. Hmm. Well, yeah. And, and I was reading too, that this was like a, a big, like it was a bunch of big houses working together, like a, um, rather than just, one place so like 20th century fox was involved yeah and universal too universal universal yeah yeah it was like the first time they had done that probably a lot of rights issues is probably why that would be i mean ultimately it didn't make as much money as it needed to like if it had been if it had made money we'd see 10 more yeah mastering commander movies so i do i do know it made 211 million dollars which I I guess with the like type of budget that this movie required is just is just not enough for those studios to keep bumping out these movies. I think the budget, budget was 150 million. Yeah. Um, whereas Pirates of the Caribbean, hold on, I have also sent through the change order to the secretaries to look up the budget for Pirates of the Caribbean. I am stalling, I'm stalling really well actually. Um, <laughs> good job, really good job. Thank you, thank you so much. And now I've run out of it because here it is. Okay, the budget for Pirates of the Caribbean was 140 million, and it made worldwide 654 million dollars. Jeez, mm. a lot more. But then again, like, <laughs> look when you look at Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World, is this really a movie that's going to make 650 million dollars? No, no. Yeah. no, no, not even close. Um, I mean, if I were a betting person and I knew what I knew now back then, I would have bet against it. <laughs> well put, Mike. <laughs> Where's your YouTube channel on investing through the ages? <laughs> if I had a time machine. Enron, I'd short Enron hard. <laughs> um, but going back to our movie, uh, so this is starring, of course, Russell Crowe. We've been talking about him a lot. Um, but it also stars Paul Bettany. Um, unfortunately, probably best known as Vision um, for the Marvel mm-hmm. movies. That makes me sad to say. He's a very good actor. Um, but yes. And uh, of course, we have in here... Um, Billy Boyd, 
Um, fun yeah. fact. Fun fact about Billy Boyd before we go on. I found out that he's like mm, five days younger than my mom. That's wild. <laughs> really? He's, yes. Yes. So in, in this movie, you know, which comes out in 2003, he was born in, in 1968. That so was he, very oh, surprising. Your, your so mom's he's very born young. in 1968. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> that he looks so boyish. He's considering so... that he's like older than I am right he now. Just his last name is Boyd. <laughs> Boy, yeah, Billy like boy. boy, yeah, Duh. yeah, um, yeah. I think that this is uh, um, the definition of a workmanlike performance. Oh, <laughs> There's so, nothing remarkable about this. So when he plays Pippin in the Lord of the Rings, he's 34. Yeah, yeah. Oof, isn't that crazy? And like that Elijah makes... Woods, like Elijah Woods, like 22. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he looks 22. Yeah. He does look older than them, but he like you know, I thought he I thought he would be in like his late twenties, latest, early thirties. Shocking revelations are made tonight about Billy Boy. Hey, early thirties is not that old, okay? <laughs> it's not that old, you know. It's not. <laughs> but also, yeah. what a year for him, right? The yeah. Master and Commander and Return of the King, same year. It's crazy. Yeah. Both of yeah. his movies were like trading blows for uh, for the Oscars. Great. I mean, for nominations, not for yeah. wins. Yeah, because that's that's the amazing Return of the King sweep here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, Dan, you had something you wanted to bring up about that. Did you want to talk about that here? Yeah. Um. So recently, because we got into the Oscars episode, um, I've been looking. Typically, when I look at a movie now on IMDb, usually I just look at like the user reviews, or I look at obviously the the cast and the director. And but lately, I've been more curious about like the awards that it won or didn't win or was snubbed on or, and for this movie in particular, I was blown away that it was nominated for 10 awards, 11, mm-hmm. 11 awards. And then every single every one of them, single one of them. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It, it, every single one that it lost, it lost to return of the King. Like <clears throat> that's incredible that like all of the movies or of, of all the movies that came out that year, one movie can lose to the same movie on eight or whatever it is, eight or nine different awards. We, we call that, we call that a drubbing. Yeah. <laughs> so it was nominated for picture director, art direction, cinematography, costume design, film editing, makeup, sound editing, sound mixing, and visual effects. And the only ones that it won is sound editing and cinematography. Cinematography, cinematography too. Oh, cinematography is good. That's, I mean, like that's a legit one. I mean, so I, I remember like Lord of the Rings, like this was kind of like Return of the King was going to win everything that it got nominated for as long as it was like a movie. Right. Like, everyone knew that because it was like the Lord, of, the Lord of the Rings series had done so much remarkable work over the last, you know, three years that they had come out. And so everyone knew, right, that like oh, this I, was going to happen. Actually, we I remember my family like, sitting down to watch this Oscars and like being having like a chip on our shoulder already. We're like, ah, we love Lord of the Rings. So it's it clearly cannot win. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I it's, think that the entire world was like, like no yeah. one really cares about this Oscar show that much all the time. But like this year we all care. It's because the it's last not two look, years, yeah. the, the films have been snubbed quite a bit. Yeah. And there was right. like that feeling like they're saving it. Yeah. They're waiting. Like yeah, they right. know the third one's coming. Is it going to stick that landing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it, yeah. For us, it just felt like, Oh, they're going to snub it again. It's a popular movie. They're they're going to give it, you know, to another artsy movie or whatever. Right. Right. 
but and instead it's tied. It's tied for most most wins uh, with Ben Hur and Titanic. It's pretty. There crazy. was much shouting and rejoicing in our household that night. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that'll ever happen again. I really. I really don't know if that'll ever happen again. Because we just watched Power of the Dog get nominated for everything. <laughs> like, and not, like, you get nominated for, I think, for, like, 11, 11 Oscars, 11, too? Yeah. And it's like, that movie? Like, that's a good movie. But 11 <laughs> nominations? Like, there's other stuff, like, you know? Guys, it's just a, a, a movie about a sad, misanthropic cowboy. Like, not even any shooting. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Don't sit down to watch that movie thinking it's a Western. It's not a Western. It's 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 like an anti-anti-Western. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are two levels removed from Western there. It, it takes place in the West, except it looks like fucking New Zealand. Um, I mean, New Zealand is West of some places. <laughs> yeah, this is correct. Good job. <laughs> um, but Dan, do you feel like this movie deserved any Academy Awards besides cinematography and what was sound editing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I actually, honestly, that how much I love the Lord of the Rings, I'm kind of happy that they were throwing these, you know, uh, these accolades to kind of the whole trilogy. It, it makes sense. Like, it, I don't think that there's anything that I would take away from Return of the King. Um, it just it, it it amazed me that this movie um, that I loved as a as a teenager was also loved greatly by the Academy, obviously like being nominated by for that many. And it almost was just like a bad timing that it didn't win a ton. I feel like if, if it was a different year, it would have won five or six easy. Yeah. If you just look at this, this list of nominations, right? Like I think in any other year, it could be a strong contender for best picture. I think in any other year, I think that Peter Weir would actually be a lock for director. This is fantastically directed. Yeah. Um, and he's working with like, it's really like technically difficult kind of shoot. Yeah. You got all these ships. Um, you got two ships engaged in battle. You're switching back and forth between land and sea so much. Um, the art direction is gorgeous. The cinematography, the costume design is immaculate. Like everything about this movie is made very, very well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just that every single time you come to one that it lost Lord of the Rings, you're like, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, Lord of the Rings, like Return of the King is technically more impressive on every level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it did come out the same year as like some of these, though. I wonder, like if if Return of the King hadn't been here, like it would have been trading some blows with uh, Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, of the Caribbean. for yeah. for those like technical achievements. I don't think that it loses every every Oscar to Pirates. Of the Caribbean. <laughs> if that had happened, I'd be very bitter. I, yeah, but you know what's really funny about this is that none of these are for acting, right? This is all yeah. just just below the line kind of stuff, and then with the picture to crown it. Whereas the Lord um, uh, uh, Pirates says... of the Caribbean has the supporting actor <laughs> for Johnny Depp. Oh yeah, because he wins. Yeah, the that's right. Because that. he was supporting. Yeah, back um, then, back in the good old days. But I feel like even with visual effects, it might have probably it might have gone to Pirates of the Caribbean for visual effects in two thousand three. You know. Yeah, probably yeah. would have. Like the visual the skeletons effects. were super cool back then. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. And th and this uh, like Master and Commander used a lot of practical like real shoots of real ships. And oh yeah, like a real storm, mm -hmm. and that's why it, that's why it holds up. I thought it held up completely this last. I don't think it's out. aged like a second. I don't. It, it, yeah, it, it feels timeless. It does. It does. I. I actually. The, so watching it this time around, I actually started noticing it was a. It was a twenty-year-old movie only when they're on land, like when they're on the island. Then the shots feel more 
like, oh, this is early 2000s, right? But when you're on the ship, like, there's no other way to do that. There's no other way. To, where else do you put the camera and how else do you, like, ha- have a real ship and film it? It just felt real, not mm-hmm. not like it aged at all. I actually, it's funny you say that about the land, because the thing that I was reminded most of was Gallipoli, um, the way that he's shooting the Galapagos Islands scenes. Yeah really reminded mm-hmm. me of that he has a really good sense of scope and scale. And so I love that when he's on land and he, we're shooting Paul Bettany and, and them kind of walking around gathering specimens, I, I liked that everyone, he was so far back, you know, he, you could see the breadth of the landscape. Um, oh yeah, it's still good. But the second they get on, it's like somebody's cooking a cactus or whatever. And for whatever reason, maybe it's just because the film, maybe it's uh, like the film changed or something. It just, it felt like the actual like footage was different and it, oh, it was like it aged to mm. me. I, yeah. Maybe they used a different camera. I'm not sure. I, I noticed a few times at that too, where it looked like it kind of looked sort of nineties ish. Um, yeah. Like it, there was a digital whatever film jump or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but like the lighting or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you notice they used the same insert shot of the iguana going in the water? Like yes, three times. I did, <laughs> notice that. I did notice that. It was like an old, uh, an old nature film. I expected like uh, David Attenborough to be <laughs> yeah. telling me about the. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, classic, how I'm killing it. I'm noticing this as like a classic '90s or 2000s thing. But if you have like uh, a night film set, you have really bright light shining down, so you can yeah. see everything on yes, screen. Yes, that's yeah. that's because they would use filters. Um, either it's in a tank and you're trying to replicate the moon, right? Or you would shoot in the daytime and you use a nighttime filter. And we've yeah, gotten mm-hmm. away from that unless like, just like remember in the Northman, the scene in the forest at night, it's very clearly just like a filter laid over the camera. Right. And that's an intentional choice to make it look weird. And yeah. this time they're like, I don't know. I don't want to shoot at night. Just, I don't know. <laughs> well, also, I feel like, I feel like with better quality cameras, you can actually see more uh, on screen maybe than they were able to show. Probably. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, just finishing out our cast list here, we have James Darcy, um, who is in Cloud Atlas and Dunkirk. I do remember him in Dunkirk. He's also in Marvel's Agent of Shield, but no one cares about that. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> I, I wasted some time watching that for a while. Like every <laughs> once in a while, I'd be like, you know what I need to do today? I need to waste time. I'll just turn it on and be like, I don't know why this matters. But now there's a whole bunch of Disney Plus shows that look better. You can do that. They don't matter either. Yeah, but they don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then you have down here um max pierkus as the kid he's he's the kid who loses his arm oh yes i thought he was great he's a, he's great he's just a he's a very interesting looking kid yeah like he's got a face i don't know if i i don't recognize that face even though oh. i've seen these other movies he's been in yeah no i know um Wait, i don't what other movies has he been in um girl the dragon tattoo i'm assuming the american version Yes, yeah. And then The Father. And then The Father. Yeah, I don't remember him at all in The Father, which we just talked about last year with yeah. uh, which one? Anthony um, Hopkins. Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins yeah. Best actor for. Boy, that was, I still say a deserving win, but wow, that was an awkward yeah. moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, in a rough movie, but I don't remember him. Yeah. Well, um, so that, that I think wraps up some of our technical conversation. Did anyone have any any other thing they wanted to shout out? I, I didn't want to say I was looking through the cast list. I don't really recognize most of the people on there. There are people in there who who I did recognize, but like it was it was a lot of British actors from like the BBC, you know, like a lot of people who were doing this kind of work for a long time, which is cool. It's cool that they all got to get together in this big movie that, you know, only made a hundred million dollars. 
Go get on the ship. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. the crazy Australians. <laughs> yeah, with the crazy Australians. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was going to shout, uh, Paul Bettany was a huge actor for me because we loved, when I was in high school, we loved this movie and we loved A Knight's Tale. And yeah. he's, he's so mm-hmm. phenomenal in that. He's and the drunk, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, he's like yeah. the drunk that yeah. keeps getting naked and yeah. uh, keeps, uh, losing his clothes from betting. And, wow. um, but then he, he becomes the, like the bard or whatever you call them. The person that like shouts out the, uh, the greatness of the night as he's going up to, to fight or to joust. When um, I first met, whatever his name is, he was standing on top of a mountain, weeping <laughs> for the Saracen he, blood spilled by his sword. He, he plays Chaucer. Yeah, it's Chaucer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, which I never got in high school until... You read Chaucer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all right, so moving into nostalgia, our first impressions of this movie. Uh, Dan. Daniel. Danathan. Uh, what did you think about this movie when you first saw it? Uh, yeah, I, so I saw it, like I said, when I was a young teenager and it was just a huge movie for all of my friends. We all loved it. We all, um, like it was one of those movies that my parents were fine with us watching kind of anytime we wanted to, cause they knew it, it didn't have any like, you know, sex or nudity in it and it didn't have, you know, whatever else. And that was typically what my parents kind of based you know, whether we could watch a movie or not. Um, and so it, it was just one of those movies that we would watch all the time, anytime we could. And we loved the action in it. I remember just being blown away by the the set pieces, like the battle set pieces. And I loved Russell Crowe, like the movies that we've covered already. Gladiator was a huge one. And Russell Crowe just became this, like, if he's in a movie, I'm going to love it he was just like a, a litmus test for whether I was going to like the movie or not. And um, so this movie solidified that. Um, and I, I, I always loved like nautical books and nautical like pictures and everything to do with ships. Um, I read the Narnia books as a kid. And so I, I always loved like the, the voyage of the Dawn trader and all the, the stories of those. And there were a, a bunch of different books that I had read as a kid that, all had to do with like sea life and living on a boat and to see a movie like this, that kind of shows the, the greatness and the darkness of that lifestyle, like how, mm-hmm. how gruesome it can be and how wonderful it can be. And, you know, all everything in between. Um, it just felt very like a real depiction for me. And I thought this is, this is what movies should be like. They should be showing us like real life. And that like now as a older adult, I kind of see a bit more of like the, you know, the rose colored glasses, maybe that this, this, this movie is wearing not to take anything away from it, but just like, it's still like a Hollywood movie. It's still, you know, um, but anyways, yeah, that was just kind of how I saw it in high school was this is real cinema. This is like a real movie, an adult movie with real people and blood and there's brains and and I just loved everything about it. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember the violence very well, actually. <laughs> um, but Mike, uh, you know, Dan brought this this movie into this series. This is kind of Dan's making the series. But like we said, you've had your eye on this one for a long time. So tell us. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I for me, like this was this was another one of those movies that just like, you know, cracked open movies for me. Like it it made me love film. Um I don't know. I I it's the same as you, man. Like I read a bunch of, of books about like midshipmen and people who are on boats and and stuff like that. And I thought that they were amazing. I always wanted to go to sea. I have never gone to sea. Um, but uh, I don't know how to tie knots either. Uh, I'm pretty sure you got to do the knots before you go to sea. And I was really bad at that in Boy Scouts. So, you know, but uh, so I saw this with my I, I guess I saw it in theaters. I know I saw it the year it came out um, and it was with my, uh, you know, some really close friends of mine. And the dad was like, OK, like we've got to we're going to watch this movie. Um like this is this is gonna be a good movie for you guys to watch, and they're like, "Oh no way!" This is like this heavy sort of like heavy hitting grown up movie about you know Russell Crowe goes and uh, to the far side of the world. We didn't know anything about it at the time, and it just it was so cool. Um, like you said, seeing these ships uh, sailing, like it was real ships sailing around the world. Um, they were actually, you know, learning. They spent a lot of time learning how to how people would actually navigate these boats and stuff like that was really cool. Um, and uh, it, was, it, it was like the spectacle of it was amazing. Um, totally impressive. Something that I had only ever dreamed of. And it changed the way I could imagine things um, because I could see it. And uh, that like that was amazing. But then sort of at the core of it is this friendship between um, between Jack and uh, and Steven. Um, that was really cool to see for me. Um, I I was not like over the years, that was something that my sort of like developed more my understanding of it, of course, uh, as a but as a kid, like. All I wanted to do, I was like, I know who I want to be like when I want to grow up and I want to be like Jack Aubrey. Like, that's the guy. <laughs> that's the person I want to be when I grow up. Um, and, you know, there's a little bit less of that now, of course. But uh, but it was it was really cool to see someone portrayed as being a, a master of men, but a friend as well. Um, someone who is respected by the people that he uh, that he leads um, and makes those hard decisions, you know, like chopping off the. The mast or whatever. Yeah, um, the, the, the water anchor. Yeah, yeah the water anchor. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, was, it was just amazing. Um, an amazing movie. I It's one of those movies that's like a core memory. And so all I can all I can do is like gush about it. Like, I just love it. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what more I can say. It changed my life. Did it, did it change your life, Jesse? Uh, yeah, to an extent. Um, this was a big deal for, for my family, too. I think, like, the whole family went and saw this movie. Um, <laughs> this was, like, you know, this was after the, the Gladiator Rage that we'd all seen. Um, I can't remember if I'd seen it at that point. Go back and listen to the other episode to figure out what <laughs> I said about that. Um, <clears throat> Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't remember even. But uh, I, I remember all... all us all watching this movie and this is my first experience with what I considered at the time to be a very slow movie. Yeah. And I, I still think it's, it's kind of slow, but there's still lots of things like happening all the time. Um, but I, I thought this was the slowest movie 
I had ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. Little did I know. <laughs> Drive my car movies. exists. Um, <laughs> Still the best but, movie from 2021. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but I, I ended up really liking it. But I when I saw this, it, I was 11 and I didn't understand a lot of the decisions being made. What was really like happening most of the time? Like I didn't understand ships, um, or or nautical terms, or even that ships really had names for whatever reason. That that was not a concept I understood. Um, so like, <laughs> what is the Acheron? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I think I missed that. Name? <laughs> like I think I just saw the ship come out and like, all right, clearly we have to go out, go over. Uh, we have to go and get those guys right. Uh, that part struck through, but like I didn't really understand what's going on. But I was, just, I was really struck by like a ship, um, and you know the the difference between the sailors and then um, all the officers on the ship. Like here are people in a room, and they're the ones making all the important decisions about what's going to happen. The people with the grand strategy, and you have the sailors, and they're up on the mast tying things or doing their sailor things that are like really hard physically. And they're not like they're not going to have the capacity to do what the officers are doing. The officers definitely can't do what the sailors are doing. Um, and to like foresee that dichotomy, like so, uh, that that was really striking at the time. Uh, I hadn't, I guess, I hadn't thought about work and, and work environments like that and systems like that. Um, and then, like, also seeing little kids who were seemingly also officers. And that was crazy to me because, like, hey, I'm that age. I could, I can go kill people with a gun. Clearly, um, I, I don't know. I still don't know what to take away from that, other than like that is insane. Um, super metal, man. Super, <laughs> super metal. crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I fell in love with uh, I, basically everything that Mike was saying. A guy who's making really hard decisions, who's also a friend, because all of that comes across even to an 11 year old really strikingly. And then of course, like dealing with depression and committing suicide, like the suicide I had to think about for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like why on earth did this guy just do this? Like, like, I guess he was convinced of this. Like it it took me, I think it took me years to process like, Oh, this guy committed suicide because he thinks he's actually Jonah. He was convinced by all of his peers that he was. And, and that, that was something that always really struck with me. Um, But yeah, yeah, uh, stuck me, stuck with me throughout the years. We have the DVD. We watched it throughout the years, and haven't seen it for years until this past time. When I think I probably liked it way more than when I was a kid. So, yeah, I love this. And I also recently read the first book, like I said, uh, a few months ago. So watching it this time around was like a brand new experience for me. Like, yeah, I just had more of a background of these people and what they're doing and how their their life works. And yeah, if coming in with that knowledge, it almost felt like a sequel to what I had been reading before, like jumping out on the screen and continuing the story. It was great. Yeah. That's Uh, one of the things that's really cool about it is like, it's really, uh, it's, it's really um, truthful to the books or whatever, like the relationship that it shows between them. And like, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I, I will say that like my idea of the book, Jack Aubrey is way Again, I've only read the first one, and there are 18 others I have not read. But in the first one, he's kind of bumbling, right? He makes like <laughs> he makes some really serious blunders at parties with 
with people. He gets like kicked out of people's parties because he gets wasted and starts like rambling on to people. Um, and also when it comes to the men, it's pretty clear, like, like when he's on the ship, sometimes he doesn't know what he's doing and he'll just say something anyway. Uh, like that is not the Russell Crowe, Jack Aubrey that I'm seeing in this movie. This guy, this is a guy that he might second guess himself like later in private, but even then he's not really going to second guess himself. No, because um, it's so like this is way later on because like he started off as like a midshipman on the surprise. Right. And like. Like, I'm trying to remember the books, but I know at some point in the series, like the surprise, finally, like he has to say goodbye to it. Um, but that's been the shit that he sailed. And it's like the fastest ship or whatever. And he loves it. And it, and there's more of his yeah. blood in it than in himself. Yeah. In the, in, the, in the first book, he becomes captain of the Sophie. Oh, OK. And that's a much smaller ship. And it's maybe, the first time he's been captain. Maybe they made up the name. So this is this is the 10th. Yeah. This is the 10th book. It's like a combination well, this one's yeah. called the Far Side of the World. Yeah, but it is There's, a combination. Yeah, there are parts in here taken directly out of the first book, like when they light the lanterns to fool the ship behind yeah, them. Yeah, that was so cool. Uh, or ah. I think even when they become whalers, I'm pretty sure that's straight out of the first book. He does a, he has a bunch of antics like that to get out of like situations that are impossible for yeah. his tiny little ship. Yeah, I heard this was two books, essentially, that the, the battle at the end is from one, one of the books and that the entire... Chasing after the Phantom Ship is from another book. And that they kind of just spliced them together to get the best of both worlds. And it does it does feel weird. Like, it does not feel... At times, it does not feel cohesive. <laughs> uh, it feels like I'm watching several different movies happen. Yeah. Um, but, sorry, anyway, that, that was my nostalgia, just to wrap that up. But, uh, Vito, what is your nostalgia with this one? Pretty similar to you guys. Um, I'm the youngest in this group. Uh, I was 10, um, when this came out and I had seen Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of Black Pearl in theaters and I had been terrified and I loved it. And I saw this one too. And I also thought that it was super boring, but I also was really bothered by a lot of stuff in it because it had like the beginning of Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of Black Pearl it also opens um, in the fog and with mysterious goings yeah. on, right? It's, it's equally creepy, but of course it moves on shit. pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. But it moves on, right? Um, that's like a six minute scene. And this one, like you sit in it for quite a while. And uh, I guess what really bothered me was the was the suicide, which I mean, I was 10. I, I think I'd probably heard the word, but I did not know the concept. And so I was baffled and disturbed by the the seaman grabbing his his cannonball and jumping overboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you pretty you shocking. see that yeah. awful shot face, from the top yeah. of his mm-hmm. face retreating mm-hmm. into the into the deep. And then also the uh, the brain surgery scene, which is funny now, but was not funny then. Because I, I also did not, this entire movie, I remember being a kid and just being like, what is going on? Like, I do not understand. This is insanity. Every single moment of this movie, I don't know why it's leading into the next These moment. These people are insane. I remember thinking that. Yeah. I, I also just feeling it like a drift. Like, I didn't even know what we're out here doing. Yeah. Like, and then, the, and then before, you know, the Jonah jumps overboard, we see everything's becalmed. And now that I'm an adult, I know that word and I know what that means. But then I was like, it looks really hot. Like, why aren't they moving? And everyone's talking about how hot it is. Like, why don't you just move? Yeah. <laughs> why don't you go swimming? Like, yeah, like big what? old ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the motor on. Yeah. And But yeah, then also in the latter, latter half of the movie, after I've been both disturbed and confused, then I remember just being super bored and really wanting to leave 
then the final battle happens and then it was over and i was like wow i hated that <laughs> i hated every moment of that and i held a grudge against this movie for uh really? for 18 years oh my gosh <laughs> wow. i didn't know this this is the second time i've seen this movie how do you feel now i wow. really like this movie really <laughs> yeah, really oh that's like great that's i think beautiful. it's great i i know what's happening now <laughs> <laughs> yeah right the confusion when you're little like what on earth is going on yeah. why are we doing this why are we on the galapagos island what is that um, yeah. Why, why, why are they going around like South America? Like, what? Where is the other ship going? How do they know where to find it? It's so bizarre. And and I'm I'm the, the personality where when I get confused, I get angry, and then I just walk away. Like yeah. I am not a, a curious, confused person. There's some mm. people I think maybe even on this pod who, when they get confused, it makes them dig deeper, and I'll just get pissed and leave. Like that that is how yeah. I'm wired. That's what I do. And then I wait for someone else to like come and explain it to me <laughs> or I make someone else yeah. look at it like figure that out and then explain it to me. Cause I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad because I couldn't get it right away. Um, and that yeah. was how I was with this movie for forever. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're doing it now because it made me rewatch it. I own it for some reason. I don't know why I did. I bought it and I never watched it. <laughs> well, I think it was like $4. <laughs> this piece of shit belongs in my I think I always, collection. I think I always thought like I, I'm misjudging this thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's probably really good. Uh, and I'm just happy that, that, that turned out to be correct. But I was, I was very scarred by this movie and haunted by images that um, to this day, like still bother me. Yeah. And like a boy gets his arm cut off, like without oh, really any yeah. fanfare. That was That's cool. pretty, yeah. pretty That's wild. Yeah. The mm. self-surgery scene, which oh made me almost gosh. ill. <laughs> yeah. I love gnarly surgery scenes in movies. Like, I really dig it. This one was hard to get through. It really was. And, like, you don't even see much. Yeah. But you know what's happening, and just looking at Jack's reaction to everything that's happening to his friend, mm. is, I think that's what really clinches it. I think you, him getting pale and kind of sweaty, you're like, yeah, that's how I feel right now, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love I when the guy's felt, like turning yeah. away with the mirror and he's like, uh, like no, no. <laughs> I gotta see that. Yeah, I, my hand is inside myself. I need to see what's going on. <laughs> I love how angry that character is throughout the whole movie. Like if I was in his position, I'd probably be just like that. He's constantly bringing in like new food and like, whatever like, it is. He's like, I, the discount Eric title. Idol. <laughs> the yeah. discount Eric Idol. That's what he is. He just looks like Eric mm. Idol the entire time. Um, he is. Uh, he's not the mat. Is he the. He's the. He's not the midshipman. Is he the surgeon? He, he's the boat. Is he the boatswain? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, he's a preserved killick. Yeah, that's right, Captain Steward. Yeah, the Captain Steward. That's right, Captain Steward. Okay, yeah. So he really is just steward. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go make the pudding in the shape of the Galapagos Islands on the moving ship, all right? Yeah, yeah um, I would be very pissed off all the time at this <laughs> asshole who's ordering me around. What? I think that's one thing that we didn't talk about in, in the cast and crew section, but th there's a lot of actors here, and they get a lot of attention, right? There's yeah. a surprisingly large, like, side cast going on, a bunch of side characters happening here. And they and you get to really know them. Like the guy, he ends up dead at the end, but he he gets uh, what is it? Is whipped? Is whipped the correct term? Flogged. flogged. He gets flogged. Yeah. He gets flogged. Right. That guy, and you just you just see his face throughout, and he's like, you always kind of know he's a little bit rebellious, but you kind of like him. Um, at least that's my reaction to him. And then I like there's and, the, it's, and it's his but yeah. his his best friend who. So he he's the guy. 
remember he he makes the model of the ship because yep. the oh, other right. guy's cousin's sister or whatever got married and he yeah. went to the in America and saw the ship being built and they built and so like the guy drowns yeah because yeah, his best yeah. friend his best friend drowns because like the the Hollings or whatever his name is like he can't get his like shit together to climb up the Holler. mast and help him yeah yeah yeah, and that oh, oh, oh that also explains why he gives him a shove. Yeah, and but he right hates him. Yeah, it's like his fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like they all, he's he's a weak leader. Yeah. Like in general, it, it starts because the movie his, starts his off fault with him being a weak leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, yeah. even like his his second in command is the one that makes the call. Yeah. And he's like, all right, you're not going to obviously do anything. Okay. And but like they all know, they yeah. all know. Like, they're all standing there. They're all standing there. And yeah. like, yeah. and Captain Jack actually says that about. That when he's about to flog him, or he's like debating whether to flog him, and and he's talking with uh, with Paul Bettany's character about it, like should I do this or not? And they're arguing, and he even mentions like I know that he he disrespected him because he blames him for that, like for the death of his best friend. Yeah. So he's like he understands that it's not just a punk kid being rebellious against authority, right? It's not just like this kid is actually really wounded by. Yeah the fact that he lost his best friend and the the dude was standing next to him and cutting like, like, because I I don't know if you guys like it, I didn't realize it until this time, but it was, he was the other guy who was chopping at the, I didn't realize that man. Like he actually was the reason why his friend died. When you say the rebellious guy was the Mr. Lamb, I believe. Yeah. Mr. Lamb. I think so. so. Russell Crowe gets the ax and he chops at the, at the ropes. And then, Mr. Lamb or like Mr. Lamb is causing his own friend to die. Yeah. The the rebellious guy takes the ax and has to hack at the rest of it for his best friend. That's brutal. I didn't realize that that like that just made it so much more impactful. I'm sorry, Dan. I I stepped on a comment that you were making and it was a good one. Oh no, no, I, I, no, I think that's great. I, um, I think I was done with my comment. I I don't remember what I was going to say to be honest. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. Um, but there's uh, also a, like a few other characters to point out, like the guy who gets shot in the head at the end, who's always oh, yeah. who's clearly it's an the officer. The master. It's Paul yeah. John Allen. Yeah, uh, John Allen. Like he's like he's a compelling officer, and he, I feel like he's always arguing with Jack Aubrey. Like he he adds something here too. And there's uh you know a bunch all the kid lieutenants or whatever. They're <laughs> they uh, I love their interaction with each other, trying to figure out what it means to take command. And I just love the, the sweaty nature of this of this cabin when everybody knows everybody and everybody else's business. And I like how that leads to like when when Jack's talking about whether or not to flog the guy, he's just like, This this is a ship. Um like there needs to be order because if in, in this scenario with this with in this sort of close quarter uh, living living situation that they're all in, where everybody knows everybody else's faults. Like animosity can arise so easily, and if you don't have order, like emotions can run wild, and you can't have that right now because they're trapped here for months. Um, and I I just love that the claustrophobia you begin to feel in their in their cabins and in these discussions um, when everybody can listen to what everybody else is saying, even when Jack Aubrey's like talking to to the surgeon, like somebody else's eavesdropping, right? Like nothing can be a secret here. Everything gets out and you try to maintain order somehow anyway. And I, I love that dynamic. I, I love that part of this movie so much. 
uh, at least this time around. That's what I'm really drawn to. Well, like so like cool. Captain Jack Aubrey, I'm going to have to wrest control mm-hmm. of this vessel away. <laughs> and I'm going to have to on. say, Jesse, when will you show this to your kids? Because I'm guessing you will. Yeah. Older than when I saw it, I think. Uh, like, if they're like me, then this will be far too slow for them. They won't understand what's going on. And maybe they're a little too young to see the suicide. And this amount of violence that's at the end, the bullet through the head, and then, you know, the brain surgery, the chopping the arm off, even if you don't see those things, that's very, like, you can feel it. Like, this movie does a really good job with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say, like, I don't know, mid-teens. If if I feel like they're down for, for a nautical adventure, uh, and they've already seen Pirates, and they want something more more adult uh, than I'd say when they're like fifteen. This movie is something I'm I'm going to turn on. But yeah, definitely going to show it to them. Um, yeah, I I think I agree with that too. I think uh, I think like fourteen. I think I would say is probably the youngest I would want to do. Not not like the violence is definitely a concern, but I I don't like like you're right, Jesse. I was I was too young when I saw this because I was confused and disturbed. Like it was a terrible combination um, for anything, right? The dazed and confused is a nice sensation. Confused and disturbed is terrible. Um, and and so I want them to be able to at least have a grasp on what's mm-hmm. going on because I thought I was going to be pretty bored by this. I'm I, Recently, I've been having a really hard time making it through movies. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, it's like the last three months, I've had a really hard time making it through movies. And uh, this one, for the two-hour, 20-minute runtime, not a problem. Did not have an issue with it. It was it was engaging all the way through until we get to the Galapagos bit, but even that's not that long, and so I could I could make my way through it because um, I was invested in that at that point in the in the surgeon and and, and his journey. So yeah, I'm going to say 14 at the earliest and just see where the interest lies. Like if there's interest, if, if the Napoleonic Wars come up in in study, if uh, I don't know if there's, there's an interest in naval history from somebody, if they like ships, then yeah, okay, we'll we'll do this. I'm not going to really go go out of my way for this this one. I don't think. Because I think this is one that's going to be around for a long time, and I don't feel a pressing need. I, I, I don't feel a pressing need to have it come from me. I appreciate it. I like it a good amount, but um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. What? How about you, Dan? I I think definitely just because of how much I love this as a teenager, I definitely think it's going to be a movie that will. There will be an evening like I don't know what exactly what age, maybe thirteen, fourteen but I know that there will be a, an evening where I'm flipping through a list of movies and I'm trying to find something for me and the, the older kids to watch. And I'll see this one and be like, yes, this is the movie. This is the time. Um, this is just a movie that I want them to connect to me. And I want them to kind of grow from in the same way that I grew from this as like, it, I felt like this kind of like matured me in a bit it matured how I watch movies and what do I, what do I appreciate in movies? Um, the music is great in it. Like I, I love the classical music and how they're the ones playing, you know, the characters are the ones playing the music. So you kind of like, I don't know, it's this really cool dynamic with the music and with, um, yeah, you have like the diegetic music and the non-diegetic, like the ones in scene and then versus the score that's actually playing. Yeah. It's, it's beautifully used. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. And like that, that made me think differently about, music and movies, you know, as, as a teenager, like there are things that this does that like really, really clever artsy movies will do, but your average blockbuster will never do because like, it's just too 
it's too creative or too like it takes too much work. And I feel like this movie is 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 an awesome blend of like really creative, amazing work and also being really enjoyable. And the violence definitely will be a reason that I hesitate. But um, but overall, I definitely want to show this um, as young as possible and, and have it around, like watch it a few times throughout their their teenage years. Um, I was going to mention um, a shout out to a, a, a friend of mine who we, we're, we've been friends since we were young teens and his dad would watch this movie um, like every weekend for years. It's uh, <laughs> amazing. This like I, I actually texted him earlier today being like, hey, how many times do you think your dad has seen this? And he said easily over 100 times. Okay. Um, so All right. Okay. <laughs> they couldn't. They couldn't estimate, but they were like, "Yeah, like if you calculate this and this," and and they said that he would put it on so loudly that the the dishes would rattle in the uh, in the kitchen upstairs because they have like a a basement that they watch movies in, and the dishes would be <laughs> rattling, and the mom would yell down like, "Turn it down!" and he'd just turn it up like two more clicks, and. Uh, <laughs> And dad's he, having a, a moment down here. Dad's <laughs> going through something. <laughs> it's it's dad's Saturday night. Like you gotta let dad just watch this and have his wine. And, and there's a part of me that hopes that I have maybe, I don't know if it'll be this movie, but movies like this, like these old, you know, like historic movies. I, I hope that that is something that my kids connect to me. And this is, this is, yeah. So anyways, I, that's all to say that I really hope to, to show this to my kids and to watch it many times with them that, that's gonna be, that's gonna be me watching heat <laughs> <laughs> yeah how about yeah. you mike are you, oh, yeah. are you gonna be the, the definitely, basement dad definitely gonna show this to my kids um i can't wait i think that my kids are gonna be into nautical stuff i mean like if they're really not i feel like there's sort of a, a correlation that you have to do or, or something like you have to you have to chart it out like so the more into boats they are, like at a young age, like the sooner they can watch this. But then like once they get like they have to be super into boats or like and then they can get the movie. But then like if they get to 14, then they can also see the movie. It's like one or the other. You know what I mean? You made this really hard on yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you better wait, chart wait. this out. You know, you know, like, you know, like when, when you're, when you have a fundraiser and you get like the thermometer and you got to color in like, okay, yeah. God, are you going to do that with the boats? Yeah, pretty much. It's just like boats <laughs> versus age. So, you know, if they're super into, into boats at the age of seven, then we'll watch it. No, I don't, um, you're going to have a quiz for them beforehand. All right, kids. What's a frigate? <laughs> do you know what it means to be captain of the mizzen top? Do you? What does is, what is the boatswain do? The Where exactly top? is the top gallant sail? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what any What's of those things are. Boy. You don't need to see the thing is, guys. Like, you don't need to know what these things are. You just have to be there for the ride. Define, <laughs> define what a midshipman is. He's like in the middle of the ship. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he's not supposed to be thirty. And he's a man. Yeah. Unless he's a midship person. Yep. <laughs> Doing good there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm excited to show this to my kids. I think they'll love it. And even if they don't, I'll force them to watch it. It's one of those movies. It's like it's like when you ground them. Yeah. <laughs> and now you have to watch Master and Commander. They'll be like, oh, no. This is one of those movies where like the proper way to see it is with your father or someone else's father who's really into it. 
and they like pausing it every five minutes be like okay let me explain oh my gosh this is the way to watch this movie i forgot i forgot that adults did that trauma to me <laughs> <laughs> no okay so so i'm I, like that's what so we did go see it in theaters and and then like we watched it again once it came out on dvd and when we watched it again that's when the dad was like okay here we go we're gonna like we're gonna i'm gonna teach you things like, <sighs> i enjoyed it get up and leave <laughs> I, I enjoyed the crap out of it i'm glad you did hey everyone Jumping in real quick to tell you about something I'm personally very excited for. It's SIRS Furniture. S-I-R-R-S Furniture. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast for a long time, then you know about Sir. He was. We did the, the crossover with the uh, Before Sunset trilogy. He's been on a couple of our episodes. I've been on a couple of his. Um, he's a dear friend. And he happens to make, besides a fantastic podcast, beautiful custom made wood cutting boards of, of whatever flavor of wood you want in whatever kind of design you want. It's, it's beautiful custom work. And with summertime coming up, I know that I'm going to be out barbecuing. I'm going to be out going to birthday parties. I'm going to be going to a couple of weddings and it's sometimes hard to pick, you know, what to give somebody, uh, what to give a friend of mine. Sir's furniture is your one-stop shop for cutting boards, charcuterie boards, coasters, Anything that you can really think of that is handmade, handcrafted, and designed woodcraft. You've been using a small plastic board for years. You know you have. Or, you know, take a look in your kitchen at those dried out twigs that you call cutting boards. And go to sirsfurniture.com, S-I-R-R-S furniture.com slash N-Y-F-M. And check out the wide selection of beautiful handcrafted wooden cutting boards that are on display there. Now, listen, let me tell you a little bit ago when Mike welcomed in his third child to the world, um, Jesse and I banded together and we we pitched in on, on one of the big Bertha, I think it's called the Martha of the, the cutting boards. It was big, had a nice channel around the side, and we put Mike's last name right in the middle and this board was gorgeous. I was upset that I didn't have Mike's last name so that I couldn't just keep it for myself. It was the single most beautiful cutting board I've ever seen. So that whether you love to cook, barbecue, or just need that perfect gift, Sir has what you need. So for 10% off, use our link, Sir's Furniture. That's S-I-R-R-S furniture.com slash N-Y-F-M. That'll tell him that we sent you. So I guess we're going to move into our next section on our favorite scenes. Um, I'm going to just start with the opening scene because I'm a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. And I think that for Pirates of the Caribbean, Curses of Black Pearl, I also picked the opening I'm scene. Sure did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because both these ones were really impactful because they were scary. You're, you're <laughs> like, there's a phantom ship. There's fog everywhere. You don't know what's happening. You're very confused just as the viewer. Like this is, I think, Pirates of the Caribbean was the first ship movie I saw. And so this is being only the second ship movie and this one not being about fun pirates, but about, you know, war. Like I was old enough to read. I could see when he says the oceans are battlefields. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's this is much this worse. Sounds, <laughs> sounds disturbing. Yeah, this is not this is not a happy fun time. And it very quickly is not. But I, I think the movie does a really great job at immediately starting to set forth characters and scenarios that are going to play out over the rest of the movie. Um, even though I'm not 
entirely certain how necessary some of them are. It's definitely like trying to paint a broad picture of the inhabitants of this ship, right? Like, yeah. like either like a big family or like a town kind of. Um, so I appreciated that epic approach to movie making, and I love that everyone everyone's really giving their all. Everyone's acting really hard, and the script is very very good. I, I have to mention that the whole movie is scripted very well. Um, mm-hmm. I love the dialogue here. I thought that it was the movie was very smart. I thought it, it respected its audience at all times. I mm-hmm. never felt talked down to. Um, and it was just really refreshing watching that because I felt like I was watching like a, an adult movie for grownups. <laughs> and I was like, there are not that many of these. Like even on Netflix, we're like, check out the new release. I'm watching. I was like, this this shit's dumb. This is a baby movie for babies. Yeah, why is it rated R? Um, and then sometimes you're watching a movie and you're like, but you think I'm stupid. Like you movie think I'm dumb, and now I hate you. And this movie thought I was smart. I mean, it's wrong. Yeah. I thought I was smart. It respected me and I maybe want to respect it back. And I think this opening scene really nailed that. Not only everything I said, but also the atmosphere of that, that creepy kind of encounter. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. What, what did you guys think? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. great. That inc- Yeah, that opening. It, it's really sc- like they start calling it the phantom ship after this encounter. And it really does feel like a phantom at first. It comes out of the fog and they're not sure if they've seen it. Right. And it's the, the one guy, Mr. Holding. Right. Uh, I think he's the one Lieutenant holding that that sees it. Yeah. And he's not sure of himself and Hold nobody him. else Hold can him. see it either. Uh, but still, you know, they, they have to be prepared. They have to go down to the cannons, and get get ready for whatever's coming. Beat the quarters. Yeah. Oh, and that and that's when you see uh, Jack Aubrey getting ready. And then weirdly, and I haven't made it to other books where this has happened but like, so I don't understand how this works, but his quarters, there are these partitions and some sailors have to go take the partitions apart. Yeah. Did you notice this? Like whenever he's yeah, going through yeah, doors, yeah. the doors just part from because people are taking it apart. And it's like, it's bizarre to me that this is how what, your lives operate right now. Like, oh yeah, the captain's getting ready. Better open up the doors. <laughs> Yeah. Better open up the walls, rather. Well, I think uh, they use the whole... So it's like the whole, like, floor... It's like a, the second story or whatever of the yeah, ship down yeah. or whatever, and, like, they have to use that whole area for war. So, like, the officers' yeah. quarters can be officers' quarters, like, for yeah. the dinners or whatever. For most then, of the time. But, like, when war happens, man, bust those partitions yeah. down. Also, like, I I, I like to... Because it's so different than Pirates of the Caribbean because this is this is the Navy. You know, this, this has procedures. This has training. These people know what they're doing um, versus, you know bloody pirates yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it, this uh this opening scene definitely like set the stakes for the movie when uh when he comes down and he says like what's the butcher's bill and he says nine dead and 24 wounded you're like that, holy shit yeah i'm like that you guys escaped that was a like you got lucky you're lucky jack and nine yeah. dead 24 injured is a is a lucky day like they're like that. they're like oh phew that's it okay <laughs> yeah it just it amazed me this time around and it it made me realize like this is why the men it as a viewer i was like you should get out of there you got to go back to england and like recoup and get more guys and like get more resources and and like i was i was on the side of the uh, i forget his name the white haired uh, uh officer alan yeah, Alan, I was like, he's right. You should be you should not be chasing this ship that is clearly yeah. bigger and better than yours. Yeah. And uh yeah, so I I, that, I think that opening scene like it set the stage for the rest of the movie mm-hmm. where 
it's it's like small mouse chasing after the cat and you don't know how in the world it could pan out and you know it shows the the brazenness of of the captain and how he's mm-hmm. just he he believes in his duty and he believes in England and his his mm-hmm. like obeying orders at any cost right that's that's his only prerogative and and maybe there's a little bit of pride in there and and it, you know the movie does a good job of showing that and how he realizes that you know with his friend um yeah so this this opening scene was is excellent it's an excellent way to start a movie yeah. like this i also i also love the fact that uh i guess it's pretty quick but captain jack slams his head against against the floor at one point like uh and he gets a little bloody brow like it's not much but in that in that moment he's like dazed and kind of confused and you realize that like this this captain who's probably going to be larger than life is still mortal he can still die um and and he realizes that too and he's going up against a foe who just almost knocked him out and just killed a bunch of his crew i i love that um yeah I've, yeah he's always have to, he's always having to choose the lesser of two weevils um that's my favorite scene and before i depart it though i just want to sidebar um between the two lucky jacks that came out this year who who's gonna win in a fight oh between lucky jack aubrey and lucky jack sparrow yes is what you're asking yes oh between lucky jack that's a good question. Okay, so what are the stakes here? Are they on ships? They're they obviously on ships. They're obviously on, on ships. They're obviously on, uh, oh, no. Is, is Jack, Jack Sparrow isn't often on ships. He's on the <laughs> ships constantly. He's just not. But he's he's also not in command of them. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Captain you Jack. A break. <laughs> Mike, you're getting bogged down. It's obviously on a ship. Go. I'm playing for time here. Okay. You're doing a terrible job. Uh, all right. All right. I'm gonna, so I, they're on ships. They're they're in a naval battle. Okay, I'm gonna say uh, Jack Aubrey. He, he he creams Jack Sparrow, but Sparrow's going to weasel his way out, but he's he's going to be imprisoned. He's going to take him back for, for judgment. He's going to escape. Jack Aubrey loses two of three battles he's in. It, it kind of sounds like Jesse just described the captain of the Phantom. Yeah, yeah maybe, pretty maybe much. Maybe he is Jack Sparrow in a different timeline and different ethnicity. <laughs> Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah I kind of felt like exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, this is this is a scenario. This is what's going to happen. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Okay, what so, if they're like fighting hand to hand though? Who wins there? Uh, I think Jack Sparrow wins that one pretty easy. Yeah, because he's preternaturally lucky, whereas that's Jack true. Aubrey is just sort of like kind of lucky. He's mostly just like scary. Yeah, like um, like fighting with Russell Crowe with swords and cutlasses, like that would be terrifying. He was yeah. dual wielding pistols. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how you do that back then because I I you have to load, it takes forever to load those things, right? Well, you, you just got two hands. ready. You got two ready. You shoot twice, and then you just chuck. And them. you flip them over. And you <laughs> start whacking people with them. Yeah, boom, boom. like those are those are some real good weapons. There. So, anyways, I just started bludgeoning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so that kind of sounds like I I don't know I I feel like Jack Sparrow's got this in the bag. I mean, come on, uh, we gotta get yeah. some more. There's also eighty percent chance that Jack Sparrow's drunk. So no, 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 no. But that's that's why he would win. He does better when he's uh, drunk. When he's sober, he's no good to anyone. 
That's true. He's more lucky when he's drunk. But yeah. he never... Jack Sparrow doesn't really fight people unless they're monsters. He, he never tries to... He, he never tries to kill anybody. No, but he beats them. You know? Like, he, he beats Will Turner how many times? He beats the random... He kills plenty of random pirates. That's true, but they're pirates. So? Has what's he ever fought a gentleman? What's the distinction? <laughs> Well, there's the, there's the, uh, the, the, okay, so the captain of the British ship or whatever, whatever his name is. Jack Davenport? The yeah, guy. that guy. That guy sneaks up behind him and hits him in the head, right? No, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, no, but I mean, like, he's the, he would be the Jack Aubrey. Right. In the, in the world of Pirates of the Caribbean. They never fight, because Jack just doesn't, he just, he just leaves. Yeah. He's just like, I'm I just feel like leave. Jack Aubrey would catch him and hang him. Mm. Like, right away. Oh, no. Do, no, do you think Jack Sparrow is too lucky? That's no, you I'm would saying. just you would just catch him and hang him. I'm just saying that so I think that Jack do. Sparrow's got this in the bag. Is there any pirating in any of these books? Well, there's privateers, and privateers yeah. are pirates, but they've got like a letter. Yeah, you can you can, can do pirate. crimes because <laughs> the queen says so. You can do horrible <laughs> things to people. So, but there is privateers in these books. The the French ship is a privateer, right? But like in this movie. But I mean. So there's no other yeah. pirates. I don't remember. Okay. If there's other I just wanted to know if there was any like swashbuckling rum drinking pirates. Probably. Okay. There's a lot of books. So I want to see, I want to see. I was 13. Jack Aubrey go up against a, a true pirate. This is almost well, 20. You can read the books, Vito. Yeah. I'll just wait. I'll just wait oh, till you get there. Then you would have to become a virgin. I'll just wait till you get there. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So there's a really memorable scene from one of the books. I don't remember which one, but I, re- I think it was early on where they go to like, like the West Indies or something, and they encounter oh. this tribe of naked females who have a um, a god that is like a large man with a huge phallus. They're <laughs> chopping out with their swords all the time. It's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> I, I can imagine a thirteen-year-old boy remembering that. I read, I read like, what? through that. Like I wasn't. I didn't understand what to. Eat. I still don't really understand what to make of that. No. Like, well, I mean, I mean, the metaphor is pretty clear. But I, I read through it like ten times, trying to figure out what all of these words meant in conjunction. With in this order. Like, this. This is scary. I think. Yeah. <laughs> All but right. Also interesting, like said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right I along. I hope you're making something in me. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, what's your Wait, favorite oh, scene? I'm sorry. Oh, end of sidebar. Okay. My favorite scene, just as Vito was the beginning, my favorite scene is the end. Alpha and Omega over here. They, um, uh, they're trying to figure out how do you beat the Akron. They decide, since the Akron is a bunch of privateers, they're going to pretend to be whalers, which have a bunch of, I guess, money on the ship? Because I guess that's what whalers have? Oil. I no. don't know. Oil. It's oil and, yep. uh, what is it, verdigree? Is it verdigree? Ambergris. Ambergris, yeah. Ambergris, um, yeah, which okay. is Whale something... Whale Yes. There you go. Yeah. And I'm imagining those are really valuable? Extremely, Extremely expensive. Yeah. Like, is that, is, that, is that the case, like, right expensive. now? It's, Okay. Can you get ambergris now? No, ambergris illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like you can't whale now. Yeah. There is you, there. I, I don't think you can sell ambergris? it. Ambergris. I don't think you can sell it. Because yeah. I think you can find it. It's okay if you find it. Yeah. Because it does wash up on shore. That's shores. right. 
Yeah, people do like whale. I, I've seen the Discovery you Channel show. You don't eat it. I think you do. I think ambergris you eat. I don't know. Right. Anyway, well, they're pretending to be whalers, and you know, I love how they they're somehow able to repaint their entire ship. They they cover up their um, I, oh, what do you call it? The woman that's in front of the ship. Uh, the figurehead. Yeah, yeah. The the yeah. Figurehead. Is it, is it called the figurehead? Yeah. Wait, wait, pause. Pause. Ambergris is a solid, waxy, flammable substance um, produced in the digestive system of sperm whales. It has a marine fecal odor, and uh, it really is wanted by perfume makers. So I was yeah. wrong. You don't eat it. You make yeah. it into perfume. Oh, disgusting. It's just and gross. it's also used for some medicinal, or was used for medicinal purposes. It's so weird. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, it's it's a it's a figure. It's yeah. I don't know what else to call it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they cover that up, um, and they're also given orders to you know not say sir, not do any bells or whistles, and to be sloppy with the way they're releasing the masts and not look like they're part of the navy. I like I loved getting like really specific. Like, all right, you guys have to train you. You, we train you to be as efficient as possible. Now be as inefficient as possible and still get the thing done. Um, like no, no more sirs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and they have such a hard time doing it because that's their life. Uh, and then, you know, Jack gives a speech down below deck um, where he drops the title of the movie, you know, the far side of the world. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I raised, I pointed at the screen. Like, yeah. the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but he says, like, we're, we're doing this for England and we're on the far side of the world. This is our home. This is England. And everybody uh, cheers. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's sort of true. They are representative of, of the country here on this, on this tiny little, little spot that they're all walking and living on. Um, and they're going up against uh, this privateer that that's about to come take them over. And, uh, you know, and then they they launch those cannons, and I love, I love how the camera like shows just like all these cannons and smoke blasting into another ship. It it also didn't look like CGI at the time, but maybe I was just like so into it, I didn't notice. I didn't. Um, I didn't think it was. It looked real. It looked crazy real, and that was it was kind of shocking and and mind blowing to to like watch it. It was breathtaking, I guess. Um, and then you know they board the ship. And then the French play a trick on them. They're all pretending to be dead. And the and the Alan he turns around saying, like, well, I guess I guess it's done. And then he gets shot in the head immediately. And yeah. that's when Captain Jack is he's dual wheeling. And he you see him like blast his his pistols. And then I think he's got two swords, if I'm maybe I'm misremembering. He might be a seemed, sword and a hatchet. I'm not sure. He seemed awesome enough to have two of anything at any given time. <laughs> um and this lasts for a really long time. And it's crazy. You can't see what's happening. You just see death and destruction everywhere. Um, and then even the the little um, the little lieutenant that loses his arm, who's told to stay on the ship, he realizes there's an opportunity to go on the ship, and that he has to at that moment. And he, with his one arm and his you know and his small stature, he grabs a gun and just shoots somebody. Yeah, and it was, it's shocking. Like when do you, like. It, it was like a boy participating in a real man's world and, and finally realizing maybe that this, uh, maybe this is how all officers and sailors start out. They have to do this. They have to participate in, in, in war and battle and cl- up, up close and personal and kill somebody. 
Um, Bla- Lord Blakeney, crazy. by the way. Blakeney. Blakeney. Um, yeah and then and then you see the results some of your favorite characters dead like uh the rebellious guy dead um you know alan dead um and lord blakeney's friend i I can't remember that lieutenant's name either but yeah the other kid yeah 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 the other kid who was named lieutenant that day yeah yeah and uh great scene yeah it's it's crazy it's, it's it's thrilling it's like the movie forgets for about a half an hour, 45 minutes before that scene, that it's like an action, like an action movie, right? And yeah. then the scene starts like, oh, that's right. Like, that's right. We do action shit in this movie. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. And it's it all comes at you all at once. And it's so chaotic. Like, the camera is constantly cutting. You can't feel like you're really getting a grasp of what's going on. And it felt like I was in the battle for that. Like, that's yeah. what I imagined battle to be. I don't know what's happening. People are dying. I'm probably going to get stabbed. Like, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It was like the shaky cam. The, it was the shaky cam that was like rampant during the time, but it actually worked well. I feel like here. Really? Because, yeah, really well. Because like you got a sense of just claustrophobia in a way that seemed very real to what was going on. And like you were able to pull out and see what was happening at times. Yeah. Um, while while still like kind of going going into it i agree with you yeah. i love seeing like steven maturin too like the the surgeon like he comes in and he starts fighting and he's he's fighting like seven or eight dudes <laughs> and he's kind of effed up too like, yeah he's got a whole he just performed surgery on himself yeah. and walked 20 miles yeah yeah but i like he's there's this the one moment that did take me out is when you see the he's like hemmed in on all sides and the next moment they're just all dead. <laughs> no, it's because Jack came over and killed him. No, I, I, yeah. I kind of yeah. saw that, but it happens so fast. It's, just, it's so fast. I was like, so so he's okay. In, okay. in the book, he learns how to fence. I got that and in the so movie. So he's a really good fencer. I got that. I got that. It was it was no, it was unbelievable. It's it was unbelievable. And I hated it. It's one part of the stupid fucking movie I hated. It's the best movie ever made. <laughs> it was unbelievable when the guy who got shot killed eight dudes. Right? That's it. That's all I gotta say. I'm gonna push back real hard on this one. I had like no. seven guys on top of him at one point, like yes, on top did. of him, and I'm like, yeah. one of them would get a stab in, like a little stab. Yeah, it's yeah. a Hollywood moment. Yeah, for sure. And, it, and I don't care. I don't care. I just point. I'm yeah, just yeah, yeah. The payoff was good. He's still He's alive. Great. That's great. Still alive. I and felt unwounded. great. Yeah. The end of the movie, he I felt wounded. great at. Yes. Yeah. I remember you when know? I first watched it. I think I thought he would die because he yeah. like he got shot, yeah. and it seems like a. This movie is heading for death of somebody really important. And Hollywood rules would dictate that the best friend who's really cool dies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he didn't. And that was cool. Yeah. It was just everybody else. Like literally everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I was really glad that, that his, his second in command guy yeah. pulled through. I like that. The Scarface guy. Yeah. yeah. I like that dude. I wanted to cool. see more of him. Like I yeah. wanted to know what's your story, dude. Oh yeah. He's, he's, he seems so young. But he's got like the full respect of Russell Crowe, and he seems like he knows how to do everything. Yeah, you know that dude has got charisma. Like he's, yeah, he's going to be the next Russell Crowe, and you can see that. If they ever decide to do like a spinoff series, and they didn't want to bring Russell Crowe back, which I would totally appreciate. They can't understand. (laughs) Yeah, they could totally do him though. Like he could, he could be the the next one. I I feel like I would watch it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I will I mean, he's watch. still 
still working. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, wait, let's do sidebar. Infinity War. If they did do a Aubrey Maturin series, who should play Jack Aubrey? Ooh. I feel like uh, Ryan from the OC. Um, I don't remember his real name. The guy who's like super anti-crypto now. You know this what? guy, right? Yeah. No. And he's I, in the I, Batman. Mike, the, I, I have the... muted all crypto thing. Even though you send them to me, I don't open them. He's great. <laughs> he's fantastic. I love him. Um, what, who's no, he in the so Batman? Okay. He, not in the, he's not in the Batman. He's in the Gotham series. He plays um, young, uh, what's his name? Is it Ryan Atwood? Um, you are not helping. Yeah, me. Ryan Atwood. No, not Ryan Atwood. Who does he play in Gotham? Uh, he he's the main guy in Gotham. Oh my gosh, Gordon. Gordon. He's Gordon. Yeah, Ben McKenzie. Uh, yeah, the like, face. The like, face is good. This is a good. Yeah. This is a good face. Yeah, he's got. I mean, yeah, he's he's. This is a good face. I feel like he's the right age. Um, he doesn't have the star power that Russell Crowe did, but I feel like that might be mm. necessary to boost, to boot, like, a real series like this. He's grisly, like, well, no, he's good-looking. He's, he's good handsome, looking. but it's, he's, like, he's kind of chiseled out of stone. Yeah. You know, he's got, like, a big, broad brow, yeah. got a good nose. Because I was at, the he's first, got, the first thing got... that came to mind, and he's wrong, I think, but the first thing that came to mind if there was going to be another movie is Chris Pine. No, no. I mean, I see why that would come, but no. I think he could do it, yeah. and I think that that would be an attractive option. But I want someone with a with a wider face. Yeah. Well, also, I was thinking of Jack Aubrey, Aubrey from the books as slightly more bumbling socially, um, because if you have a a spinoff series, I think it's going to be a show, and I think you're going to have that. What about Wyatt Russell then? Wait, Wyatt Russell, Kurt Wyatt Russell's Wyatt. son. Oh. Huh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if yeah, he's I mean, yeah. a little he gangly, maybe. A little gangly. Look, look at that. When he gets a little older. Look at that. You know, he could be a young... Oh, wow. Yeah, I could okay. See it. I could see it. You know, yeah. with the hair that he's got right now, the longer hair, like, he already looks very nautical. Very not yeah. nautical hair. <laughs> yeah, he looks <laughs> like a sailor. Yeah, yeah. How many nuts? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I can see that. <laughs> what about Oscar Isaac? No, no, no. no. I, I just mean, love like, Oscar Isaac, guys. I want to see him after, after, after Moon Knight. That guy needs to take a big <laughs> chill pill. I, like. He's in he's in every single like franchise now, right? He's in like he's in every he's in everything. I'm actually getting kind of tired of seeing his face. I, I know. I hate saying that. I hate. I'm a little tired of I Oscar love the Isaac. Guy. I I haven't Great watched Moon Knight, and I'm not going to. So it's like it's like with Channing Tatum. You remember Channing Tatum was everywhere, and it was like, you know what? That's enough, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go. You need to go away. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna end this sidebar. That was great. Wait, but, but wait, wait, we didn't get a Maturin. We didn't get a Stephen Maturin. Oh, All right. All right. Fine. Re-enter the sidebar. Oscar Isaac and Stephen Maturin? Actually, I could see that more. Stephen Maturin is even... My impression in the book is he's even nerdier than he comes across in, in the movie. Right. But he's I also got to be steely. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying necessarily Oscar Isaac, but I could see this uh, is a very classic see. pairing, right? Of like a more steely, reserved one and a more charismatic, yeah. kind of sillier one. Also, yeah. he's supposed to be like notoriously Irish. Um, so much so, I think he's 
part of like no, the Irish. No one knows what ethnicity Oscar Isaac is. That's true. <laughs> uh, but I'm also wondering if like, well, we, you know, we just did Gangs in New York. There's a bunch of Irish actors. Leonardo DiCaprio. Jamie Dornan. What? Jamie Dornan. It could be Jamie Dornan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's not, that's not a bad call. What Some about, of those other ones, like they're, they're just getting too old. What about Donald Gleason? Yeah. Oh. Is, is he too shrimpy? I, I think he could pull off being think, refined. Think about, think about, no, no, he can't. Think about him as Admiral Hux. All right, shrimpy dude. I'm not saying I, like I think he could pull off a like nerdy surgeon who has guts, but I don't know if I could see him fighting off eight dudes. It's a picture of Donald Gleason. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I love it. I can pull Mike up pictures of all the like you. Donald Gleason killing <laughs> 17 men. You showed that picture like you were proving your point. Like Dev Patel. Well, ooh. Uh, that would be interesting. Uh, he's not Irish, though, right? That's okay. Ignore that's it. Fine. I guess we're, we're past the Irish part of this. Point. I would believe this guy as this. I'm. I believe it. Yeah, he could do this. Okay, sure. okay. What about <laughs> Master and Commander in the future? They're on spaceships. Oh, Master and Commander Planet! <laughs> far planet of the world. Far you side know, of the galaxy. Planet. Far, far side. Yeah, there we go. You know. I, I like this way less. I am ending the sidebar. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite scenes. Oh yeah, we gotta um, keep going. We gotta keep going. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike. What is your oh, favorite scene in this movie? Fast. Okay, so I, I love this movie. I love every aspect of this movie, but I've got a shout out. So the old the old guy um who is like the I don't know, the the he shaman brain, or whatever. For, he gets brain surgery. Brain yeah, surgery. The superstitious yeah, the superstitious guy who kind of causes all the problems, but I didn't really fault. realize that until like this last time of watching it. If this is a Stephen while. King novel, he would be like the religious extremist who's like always whispering in people's ears. Yeah, yeah. cause it, cause it all. Or yeah. if it was also if it was a uh, uh, Twin Peaks. Um, oh, this is it's Mister. It actually is Mister Lamb who is the guy. Oh, right? Okay, but so he's a metal singer. The- he's a metal singer in real life. Oh, really? The guy. So he has sure. the word the words "hold fast." tattooed on his uh on his fingers and for the next seven years my friends and i just would at times throughout the day bad days would just you know right hold fast on our on our fists and just like show it to each other in class <laughs> you know just like hey hold fast man You're like oh yeah i gotta write it and then you're like wait i did it <laughs> And then the teacher would be like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> be like, Mike, what does fast hold mean? Oh, dang it. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, Delode Saf. <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that even mean? And and also various other things like that we would try to fit onto our hands. And we, I don't know. Um, but it was, it was, it was great. Loved it. <laughs> But yeah. this movie is really cool. It's really cool. Like, you're just talking about literally every time you see his hands. <laughs> literally every time you see his hands. <laughs> and and he even so says hold fast at one point. Yeah. To <laughs> so the first time you see it, uh, he shows it to like the young Lord. Uh, what's his name? Lord Aubrey? No, Blakeney. Lord, Lord Blakeney. 
um, who is terrified because it's his first battle at sea and he shows it to him and actually gives the, the kid courage. Um, sort of, it's sort of like this, this off, you know, off to the side cut um, in the middle of that first battle. Uh, and it's meaningful and impactful. And I thought that it was really cool how they just put that in there and sort of added to the popular, like the, the way that this movie is populated by people who are interacting with each other in very realistic ways. Um, and how uh, what we have here is one of the oddest social structures that has ever occurred where this child is above this old wizened man in terms of hierarchy and the child will order this man around. Um, and yet the man is also like helping to teach the young child and keeping him sort of not exactly safe, like not at all safe actually, uh, which is also weird. <laughs> they're going into uh, battle. <laughs> because rather than keeping children safe, they're like being like, no, you gotta like not be afraid and go and kill people. Like that's what you should do, young child. <laughs> um, it, it's it's really weird. Um, and also like really, I, I think that there's something really cool about that. That sort of like, uh, working together with those who are younger than you or inexperienced to teach them the ropes. Um, and uh, then the second time we see it is when he gets brain surgery, which is just yeah. a wonderful scene. Um, it's great. <laughs> I mean, I, it was cool, but it's like, a great ooh. scene. Yeah. I, uh, I remember yeah. when I first saw that scene in theaters being like, if I was there, I would totally be crowding around that too. I want to know what somebody's brains look like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's his brains, that- doctor. <laughs> I like how they like they they take the the coin. They're like, all yeah. right, it's going back in your head. <laughs> well, you said he used to do metal, right? So now he's yeah. got yeah. metal. So yeah, now he's a real exactly. metalhead. The real metal. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I got us all there. We were all we were hovering <laughs> it, and you. Oh, it's it a team that, effort. I I think that what you said about how like a little scene like that builds those characters, and then Jesse mentioned it earlier that the side characters in this movie are so well done where you feel like, you know, them, you feel like there's an arc for each character, even the really, you know, the really, really on the side ones that you'd only see a few times. Um, And that's, that's why, or that's part of the reason why my favorite scene is the, the dinner scenes. Um, It's, it's weird because it's, it's like what you were saying that there's all these men, you know, that are much older and much, you know, they've been sailors their whole lives and they are stuck in the, you know, in the sailors quarters, right? They have to eat whatever everybody else is eating. Doesn't look pleasant. They, you know, only get glog every once in a while. And then there's these, these kids and these teenagers and young men who just because of their social status and their military status are getting to drink wine with the captain and have these lavish dinners and, you know, they get to, it was almost like they're the, they're the adults in the situation. That's how it felt. It was like, they get to stay up late and laugh with the captain. And, uh, and like, you know, on the one hand, it it feels kind of like almost irritating because you're like, this is not healthy. But at the same time, there is a, a satisfaction to like, this was just the way this was back then. Like that there was this social order and everybody accepted it and everybody kind of lived by it. And, I love the way that that the captain there's a bunch of scenes where like it shows him helping 
his like his servants or his relationship with his servants and with the the other sailors is he just seems like he he really does care about them and they really do love him right it's not it's not like a a tyranny or a dictatorship that he's running it's like he is a a, a leader in all the the best meaning of that word and um and I, I thought that was really great and the dinner scenes are kind of him like letting his hair down and being hilarious and being kind of the, the, the clown of the situation and making the jokes, but also he can say the really, really impactful thing, right? He can like get really serious. And then at the turn of the hat, um, he'll make the funniest joke that everybody, you know, everybody's heard. And I, I always felt like those scenes kind of made me like want to be that in my role as a father is like, I, I want to be able to, you know, tell my kids really, you know, important things and have them, you know, have them look up to me and respect me. But then also I want to be able to laugh with them and joke and, you know, be a clown and not have that like lead to disrespect, right. That you can keep respect while also being, you know, letting your hair down and being more, you know, affable and likable and um, be yourself. Like that he can be himself around his men but also they still, you know, when push comes to shove, they're going to respect him and follow him to the death, you know, because he ordered it. Like that's, it, I just feel like he's such an awesome, um, yeah, an awesome role model for, for any person in a leadership position, mm -hmm. which as a parent, we all kind of are. So. Well, I, I do have some comments on that kind of jumping into, into a question before I do like uh, Mike, Peter, do you have anything to say to that? No, I think this is a pretty natural springboard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I I just want to want to add. I mean, like I I agree with you. And so um, I've shown on the on on the podcast before. Like I grew up. Like my dad passed away when I was a kid. Um, and like seeing this movie was something that uh was really like like that sort of thing. Like seeing the way that he was interacting, the way he interacted with the young kid whose father, like his father had died. Um, and it was a great, like a very close friend of Jack's, um, in the way that he brought him up and trained him and taught him. That was really cool to me as a kid. And that was something that I sought and looked for in my, uh, I don't know, like in, in the people that I, um, I, I, I guess I looked for in the people that, you know, I, I looked up to <clears throat> and it's really cool to come back to it now and see it now because like the shoe's a little bit on the other foot now. Like I'm about the age of, of Jack or like getting close to the age of Jack and, and of Matern. And like, there's a bunch of younger people who are now sort of getting older. Um, and it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting to realize like, Oh, like my life looks very, um, very different from this. Like I'm not on a ship or anything, but there's a lot of similarities in the way that, uh, I don't know. I have learned how to operate in the world, I suppose, um, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. Grateful for the people who are like Jack in my life. It's a beautiful insight. So I guess talking then kind of about the character of Jack, um, you know, this is someone that you looked up to and kind of sought after. And in a lot of ways, he's someone that you would want to seek after, right? Like Dan is talking about natural leadership, but also about inspiring um, respect and, and love. In, in those around you. Um, I think that's actually like a core tenant of 
of being a parent or even just like being a manager or a boss. Yeah. <laughs> like in, mm-hmm. in yeah. every respect, being a leader means commanding respect, but also love. Right. Yeah. In some way, in whatever way that love can be said that's appropriate. And also like not trying, but like contrasted with like Hollings or, or Holland, Holland or whatever, like who I'm, is I'm, not a very good leader. Yeah. He's trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was your question, Jesse? Um, no, I don't know. It's all—it's all one thing. Well, we're so we're talking about how 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 great Captain Jack is as a leader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but watching it this time around, like, and I agree with everything you guys were saying. That's how I've always viewed Captain Jack Aubrey. Like, it's really like you know has to make the tough decisions, but they're the right ones, right? But this time around, I, I noticed that his orders are to follow the Akron to Brazil. And he goes past it. Oh, yeah. He's choosing to go past Brazil. He rounds the, the Cape of uh, South America, even. Way he goes past. around the horn. Goes around the horn. Comes mm-hmm. up the other side they of are, South America. They all the Yeah, they all celebrate when they start going north. From yeah. South America, right? Yeah. Uh, going around it. And, uh, like, and so I, I'm kind of a, of two minds about this. Um, like, and one is like, it's just his pride, right? He was beaten in battle. He's not used to being beaten. He wants to go take his revenge out against this, the ship. And to be clear, like, they've already built up in this movie that this ship, like their cannons cannot penetrate it, at least from a distance away, because its hull is so thick that the two cannonball... Foot. Two, two foot! Two foot of solid oak, they say. So their cannonballs bounce off. So they cannot affect the ship. Um, it has... They and they have 14-pounder guns, I think. The other guy, the other people have 18-pounder guns. That's and they have 48 of them. They have more. Yeah. They have more people, more guns. The guns are bigger. They have a hole that they cannot penetrate. It's faster than them, and they're going after it. Um, and he's he not haven't been ordered to. And he has not been ordered to. He's going above and beyond what his orders are. So it seems like it's just it's just pure pride. Well, he does have he does it. have a good but, point. But there's another there's another thing like it that I think of. You know what what would he do if he went back? He would have to. He would be sent off to another ship. That might also be like the Akron. Who knows? Like, he has to go battleships. That's his job. He also says specifically that a ship of this size in this place could be enough, if left unchecked, to turn the war in France's favor. He does say that. Yeah. Yeah. So he does have justification. It is slight, and there is a lot of hubris in this decision, but it's not as if it's made only out of pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, I kind of love the fact that we don't have an answer to that. Like, is it, is it pure pride? Is it that, you know, the movie is kind of just like, here's the, everything on the table. Is there a mixture of pride in it? Probably. But also like, you know, like I, I, I as a father have had to make decisions that make me look like an asshole to my kids or even, you know, sometimes to my wife and like, some that's part of being an adult is like sometimes you have to make the decision if you know it's the right one even if it makes you look prideful or like it's you know even if it will look like you're being a jerk to everybody else if you know it's the right thing um 
like it almost becomes an obstacle that you're like, well, what if people think I'm just doing it out of pride? It's like, well, that doesn't matter if it's the, if it's the right thing, it's the right thing. And like, if, if you know, it's the best choice, if it's a lesser of two weevils, like you, you have to do it. <laughs> and, uh, so it's, it's kind of like a reverse thing of like, yeah, usually pride, if, you know, doing something out of pride is going to be the wrong decision, but sometimes doing something that's the right decision can also have some pride in it. Right. And that, and that doesn't make it a wrong decision. So it's not like these mm-hmm. are exclusive. They just, you know, typically the fact that some pride is, is in it means you should be like, you know, a little bit more questioning of your decision. Yeah. And it seems like he's questioning his, his decision. Like he does, he does get into these debates with, with, um, Maturin or, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he gets into his, these debates and it like kind of breaks their friendship or almost starts to break their friendship. And, um, so it clearly is something that he is wrestling with. And, um, and yeah, like obviously it's, it's historical fiction. So, you know, if the movie had ended with them getting blasted away and everybody sinking at the bottom of the ocean, I'd be like, yeah, they should have turned back, but they don't, <laughs> they, they defeat the ship and they outwit it and it's incredible. And it's like, you know, the outcome obviously doesn't justify the means, but with a movie like this, I'm like, yeah, he was doing the right thing. He was following, you know, the spirit of the order, right? Obviously the letter of the order hadn't told them to keep going past Brazil, but he also understood the bigger implications of this. And, um, and he knew that, you know, returning and saying, Oh, by the way, we're going to lose every battle in the seas from now for the next two years because of this ship is like, yeah, that could totally ruin every, everything that the whole, you know, that all of England was, was fighting for. So it's like he understood there was more on the line and that he had the Intel and that only he could kind of make this decision. And, uh, and it's a hard decision and it's, yeah, it's a very gray, ambiguous, difficult to make decision that, you know, has a lot of impact. I don't know. It's, it's something I love about the movie. Cause like, I don't know that there's an answer. I don't know that there's like a final, like, yes, he shouldn't have, or yes, he should have. It's almost like he just had to go with what he believed was best. And I don't mm-hmm. know that that's my take on it. What, what do you guys I, think? I really, I really like the way that you said that, like, uh, well, I don't know exactly what you said, but that like, just everything I it, said, everything that you said, <laughs> no, but like, like the pride, like just because there's pride in it doesn't mean that it's a, it's the wrong decision. Um, and like, there's a, yeah, I, I think that that's like, yeah, I think he did make it out of pride, right? Like, like this is a, he wants to fight this guy. He wants to take him on and, and take him out. It also happens to maybe be the right thing to do. There are good arguments for it being the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, uh, I mean, like you could say like, oh no, he's just using that, those words to justify his vanity and like taking, mm-hmm. you know, you take, it, it could be dictated. right. It could be hubristic yeah. and it could be vain. Those yeah. could all be true things, <laughs> all, and yeah. they, but they all could be true together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I, I, I maybe I'm, I'm trying to think through what the other option would be. He goes back to to england and then they have to what send send a fleet out for this one ship is, yeah. is that a thing do you do you hunt another ship 
yeah. in South America with a fleet of other ships. And and does that does that really help the situation? Like, I actually don't understand nautical warfare. I mean, yeah, dude, because the cause, Bismarck, because Bismarck in World War Two, that was like mm. one ship that thought they that was going to turn the tides of war, mm-hmm. and like the entire like British fleet, I think it was, went to go and sink the Bismarck, and it was this massive thing. The Bismarck sunk like multiple ships by itself before it like finally went down. It's this okay. massive, like, super destroyer. And, so this... and I guess the, the argument for the Atron is that they're going to attack the whalers. And so if we stop the supply of very valuable whale blubber and oil and ambergris to wherever it was going, you interrupt a supply chain like that. You know, what 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 are they burning the oil for? They're probably doing lanterns, right? Well, what if you run out of oils for your lanterns? That yeah. could be really, really bad in a war that's relying primarily on lanterns at night. <laughs> yeah. And, like it actually could be really bad. And like they're getting their perfume, you know, they can't, if you stop their perf- perfume, they're the French. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to smell so bad. They're going to smell so bad. Ugh, we smell uh, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so stinky. Well, I didn't even think that deep into it. I was like, well, clearly it would be bad for them to be there. But you were like, no, trade routes. No, yeah. That's usually what I do. Yeah. What I do. <laughs> Um, it, it's the money, right? The money that they're getting from this probably is the main asset. Like they're, they're. It would be like gold. It'd be like yeah. gold being on these ships. Like yeah. they just want the gold to to sell it and to fund their their war. Yeah, the seas are smelling gold. Anytime you have seas open, it's always for opening up or closing trade routes. Yeah. So money. yeah, I think. Um. All right. Well, well then so- on, on the flip side of that, then. So he kind of went above and beyond the Call of Duty to go and fight the Acheron. And we're saying like, well, there's a lot of conflicting or, or complex like like reasons for it. How Could about like fleet out? Could you, have done that. But how about like uh when he decided to stop chasing the Acheron when he had it in his sights? And he mm. went back to the Galapagos for his friend. Mm. How was was that the right decision? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because he knew where it was going. And before he didn't know where it was going, but now that he's there, now he knew where it was going, so he could tactically leave it alone for a minute until his crew is at full strength. No, and I, he, I think and, and so he got his doctor back on board. Okay. That's super big. If you're gonna go into a battle, you need your doctor. That's so he knew where he was gonna be. And he needed medical assistance, so bada bing. Makes sense to do it. Wait, did he know that that he said that he didn't know that that was whether yeah. that was the Phantom ship? And he's like, oh, we might be here for like a couple weeks. Or yeah, I mean, he, did, he was pretty well, sure it was the Phantom ship. He, he, said was, sure. he was like, yeah. but also okay. he he didn't end up really knowing where it was going to go, did he? Because he it said it was up, going to the whalers, right? But then it ended up it was at the Gla- Gla- the islands. <laughs> they had gone to the Galapagos. Gla- Gla- Why are you guys having a hard time saying Galapagos. this? Galapagos <laughs> Islands. And then it gonna edit that out. Now it's gonna stay. <laughs> and then it continued on from there. Yeah. And like he had he had followed it and caught up with it. And yes. he had like found the place where it had been. And then he was like, it was like, oh yeah, it's a day's journey away. Like you can get there. Like you're you're gonna be able to catch it. And then like the not surgeon guy is like, I can't do it. 
I can't do it if I'm not on land. And yeah. so he goes back and like the, the decision that he's making, like, I think that the movie's saying like, no, the decision that Jack has made is that he is no longer going to pursue the ship. And instead mm-hmm. he's choosing to save his friend, the doctor, or- the doctor, there's, there's two, there's, there's two reasons. But is right? he saving him because he's a doctor or because he's a friend? Yes. Mm. <laughs> like every, well, yes. I think it's that he wants to have kind of his cake and eat it too. Like he wants his friend and to, chase this ship i don't know that it's like he abandoned the ship to help his friend i didn't get the sense it was abandoning he's just taking a quick breather yeah he wanted both he wanted his friend back you know or he wanted his friend period because he was dying and he wanted to fulfill his promise i think that was important to him to like you know save his life but also to not let his friend die and live with that on his conscience like that he broke his promise to his friend but yeah but he made but, someone else do that. He made someone else leave his friend behind and die. That's because he's going to kill everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah way the whole, the whole boy, of two evils. The, the whole boy. The whole boat was about to tip over. I, yeah. I, 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 they were literally like, cut it loose. We're going to die. Right. Yeah, yeah. And everybody below deck started cheering when that happened. Yes. <laughs> they're like, thank God we're not all going to well, die. They yeah. Know what was but they were happy that it wasn't continuing to happen. Yes. They were happy that they weren't continuing yeah. to die. Yeah. And they. Yeah, he could not turn around or else they would all die. I mean, I think that this is, I don't know. I, I thought it was presenting this as a, uh, like, a dichotomous situation where it's like, like, uh, sort of the, the mirror image of what happened with the other two friends. Um, and also, like, he had, uh, he was making a choice of one thing over another, friendship over yeah. duty. I can, uh, I can I, see I can see traces of it, but it doesn't yeah. seem to be a I, direct correlation. For me, yeah, I, I definitely got that too because like they they found the ship, they're on its tail, and it's already been established. This thing is really fast. I yeah. think it's faster than them. Um, way faster. And and they have to turn around, go the opposite way, go back a few days to the islands. They stay there long enough to do the surgery, long enough for Maturin to recover long enough that he can go and gather bugs and beetles and go on, you know, a 20 mile hike throughout the whole Island. Um, that's a lot. They're there for a long time. Like in, wind, yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other ship that had the wind, it was going. Um, so I don't think there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to go see that thing again. Yeah. But in, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you, Jesse. And maybe it's something that we agree to disagree on. But I do think that there's sort of an interesting resolution that comes out of here, which is that when you find the work-life balance, you end up finding the ship you were chasing all along. Because they go to the Galapagos, and that's where the enemy actually is. I, I think we, I, I don't. I don't Our know if we can, if we can resolve this because, that we were because literally the ending of this movie is based on luck. So I don't know if there's a way that we can resolve this peacefully because the, the ship just shows up. Yeah. It shows up. He's lucky right? Jack. It is He's like lucky a Jack. deus ex machina thing. Yeah. Deus ex I, ship. I, yes. I, I, I Mike, I, that is the way I've always seen it. Yeah. Mike, I, was, I, thought, I, was, I thought you were going to say the real phantom ship was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> it's possible. But um, you didn't say it. So I didn't say it. Uh, Mike, I'm guessing you're going to say it's a dad movie. This but is a I dad don't know. movie. Oh, 100%. okay. Okay. This okay. is a dad movie. 100%. Uh, I love it. It's great. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. 
It's about leadership. It's about friendship. It's about like giving and taking orders on a ship. Um, so many ships it's about in this movie. All sorts of ships. <laughs> I ship so it. All the ships. ships. Yeah. Jesse, is this a dad movie? Absolutely. It's got all the dad things. Sailing is a dad thing. Leading is a dad thing. They're dads on the ship too, and they fight cannons. That's a dad. Several thing. of several different kids, like <laughs> several different kids. Uh, yeah, I uh, can't wait for my kids to associate this with me. Yeah, everything about this movie screams dad. The name is Master and Commander. <laughs> <laughs> That's dad for sure. Uh, how about you, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. Everything you guys said. Um, I love I love how Russell Crowe's character is like a gentleman and he can have a, a great time with his his bros and his, you know, laughing and drinking wine and, you know, and then it also be a really serious leader that's respected. Like I love all the different facets of his character and I think he's definitely a role model for me and um and I hope that my kids, you know, eventually connect him with me in some way, even if it's just that I recommended the movie or that I gushed over it for hours before we watched it with my kids. Um, what about you, Vito? Uh, I'm not going to stand in the way. It's not this dad's movie, but it is a dad movie. I think by classical definition, Yeah, but I don't it, care it really too is. much if my kids associate this with me. So, like, I'll, I'm not going to stand away because it's like 99% there. You know, it's just like, this is the personal touch isn't there. Like I shared in the in my am I going to show this to my kids? I might, you know, but I'm not. I don't feel an urgency to do it. Um, I don't. Maybe it's just that I just connected too late with it. I had just I have I have 18 years of resentment towards it. <laughs> have you ever felt a desire to like make model boats? No. Huh. No, they called me the Smasher when I was a kid. I didn't build anything. I broke everything. <laughs> I'm a breaker, man. Amazing. Yeah, I no interest in Amazing. the fiddly little pieces. Ah, I can't I can't do it. If you guys can't tell, I don't have a lot of patience. <laughs> Would not do very well on the high seas. <laughs> Would not. Um, but it's a dad movie for every reason you guys are saying. And also, I mean, it's just like <laughs> when we're sixty, this is going to be on Turner Classic Movies. You guys realize that, right? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. It's so great. I can't wait to be like. My dotage be like, oh, I remember when this came out. It's great. Russell Crowe in his heyday. Uh, we went to a, so we went to a theater. We the kids are like, what's that? Know, you all just watch it on your eyeballs now. You've got it implanted. <laughs> <laughs> My voice is going to change very dramatically. Yeah. Uh, as well. Are you going to start smoking in your 50s? What is that? <laughs> Chances are. Um, yeah, so I don't want to stand. I don't want to stand in the way. It is a dad movie. I knew when it got put, even when before in August of 2020, you we were talking about doing this podcast. I knew it would be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm I'm perfectly happy that it's there. Um, all right, all right, happy. Now, Gladiator, though, who? What a piece of shit. Anyway, what? No, this you movie can't do that. You can't do that. You have to take that back. Yeah, you. You will take you that do. back. You will take that. Oh, back. you got to take that back right uh, now. Uh, <laughs> Wait, how serious are you being? Dad is shocked. <laughs> I'm trying to end well, the podcast, guys. From all of us and not your father's movies. I'm Mike. <laughs> Dan. Am I Dan? I don't know. Yeah, you're Dan. <laughs> I'm Dan. And, I, and I'm Jesse. Good night from hey. not your father's movies. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Movies. Please let us know what you think about movies and our discussions on our Twitter at NYF Movies, on our Not Your Father's Movies Facebook group, follow us on Instagram, or email us at notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This podcast has cost us a lot of time, effort, and money. Please consider contributing, and we will start sending you monthly newsletters, our bonus WhatsApp episodes, and even an NYFM mug. We hope to hear from you soon. Lastly, thank you to Max Augers for our awesome theme playing right now, and to Andy LaFave from Don't Dance for the remix that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Thanks again for listening to Not Your Father's Movies.